Anything is one of the best romance movies of all time, one that a guy can appreciate as well as a girl with one of the most enduring and iconic symbols of the 1980s, holding a boombox over your head to project your love. This movie also shows that if your parents steal thousands of dollars just for you, that you should definitely say screw you and run off with a guy that you've known for three months. Sounds legit. This is 80s Movie Guide. A guide to what's wrong with your parents. I'm Riley Roberts. And I'm Tara McNamara. Say Anything is the film that truly introduced Cameron Crowe to the world, starring John Cusack as a graduating senior with no real ambition or plans, who falls for the most popular girl in school. Yeah, so I don't know what I'm going to do for college or anything, but I'm definitely going to get this girl to go out with me. <laughs> She's just really pretty and smart. <laughs> hey, it was a goal, and he achieved it. <laughs> um, so, you know, first I want to find out from you, Riley, do you think this movie holds up? It is, it is definitely one of the best romance films of all time. Uh, but do you think that it plays 30 years later? Um... Not really. really. Like I don't know. Oh, I wasn't so painful to hear. I wasn't really into it this movie that much. Really? Yeah. Why? The girl that played Diane, I don't know. Ione Sky? Yeah. She just I, I just feel like she fit her character really well, but she also didn't at the same time, which made it like hard for me. But I I just wrote like it's just it's just sweet. It's just <laughs> awesome. I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. There's so many relatable things. I mean, first of all, Cameron Crowe wrote this with the first of all, he was hired to write this. Just so you know, this, so this didn't necessarily come a, from an original idea he had. It was somebody had the concept of let's do a film where a girl slowly realizes her dad is a crook. That was the idea of the film, oh. and it fit with the late eighties because the eighties became very materialistic and, and greedy, and um, and so. That was the intent of the film. Um, and James L. Brooks had hired Cameron Crowe to write it. And at this point, Cameron Crowe wasn't really known as a director. And he had written Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and he had done this film, The Wildlife, but that, you know, was kind of a murmur. It wasn't really a, a big deal. But then they had hired Lawrence Kasdan from Star Wars fame <laughs> to to direct it and he Cameron Crowe actually put a lot of himself into the film and so Lawrence Kasdan was like hey you got to direct this film so this really did introduce Cameron Crowe to the world but then even though he was hired to do it there was a lot of him in it because he had gone through a breakup and there was so much in here that was familiar and what he wanted to do was write uh, a romance from a male perspective and so I, I think elements like that are really interesting because I, I think men really do connect with this film. Um, and I think the character of Diane is is fascinating because she's sort of like she's popular, but she's almost another plane of popular yeah. because she's not around that much. So she's beautiful and mysterious. She's not full of herself. Uh, she feels disconnected from the other classmates. I mean, do you know anyone like that? Was there anyone in your school who sort of seemed... Like they were almost like, like so people cool who are friends with the popular kids, and then, um, but like never really went to any parties. Mm -hmm. Like there's people like that, but they were never like super popular because they weren't going to the parties and meeting a ton of new people. Because mm -hmm. when you go to the parties, you meet like people from like different cities, at least from uh, where we live. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, okay, so you don't think it held up. And then I think part of what we love about Lloyd is that he's just, you know, he's so focused on 
Diane and doesn't and doesn't care about these other things. First of all, as a parent, now that I've seen this as a parent, like I appreciate how Lloyd, when he meets the dad, he says, "Here, here's what you need to know about me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you can feel safe with your daughter being with me for the next seven or eight hours. I would love it if the guys who came over to take you places did that, you know? Yeah, I but mean, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, they not. need, they, but they need to do that. That is the right way to do it. I'm just telling you to, to win over the parents. But Lily Taylor's character, Corey, you know, who sings songs about Joe, mm. <laughs> is obsessed with Joe. I mean, when we watch this, I know that that hit. I mean, one, you there's a Joe who like haunts yeah. your life that you could certainly relate to, to her about. But you have a friend who is obsessed with a guy similar if she knew how to write songs she would write all songs about joe oh yeah no except her joe yeah i mean that 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 is someone we all know who can't get over a guy that we all know they need to just move on from yeah yeah um so what's wrong with your parents in this film i think is really about diane's relationship with her dad yeah so so many movies of the 80s have the parents just completely buffoons one way or the other, right? The parents are not connected. You you either have them, they're so absorbed with their own yuppie lives in Ferris Bueller or Less Than Zero or Heathers, you know, mm-hmm. um, and just one of the guys, they're off on vacation, you know, they just, I mean, the idea that you leave your kids alone for two weeks, that's just not something I think people do anymore. Yeah, you don't no. leave your 15-year-old and your 17-year-old alone in the house. Um, or, or then you have them, parents who are just focused on their siblings, like in 16 Candles or License to Drive, that they can't pay attention to their own kids. Uh, or maybe their parents are just wrapped up in something super sad and depressing, like Pretty in Pink, and where the um, child has been parentified, you know, which is what we see with Andy and Pretty in Pink. Uh, or maybe they're just ridiculous idiots. You know, that yeah. happens a lot too. Pump Up the Volume is a great example of that. Say Anything is one of these few films where the dad and the daughter have this fantastic relationship. And this, this is not a relationship that we saw happening in the 80s in general. Well, I think that Diane is also not like a lot of the other kids <laughs> that were there. Like, she's she's not a partier. She doesn't go out. She's usually with her dad at home. She's smart. She's sweet. She's very quiet. She's not like any other 80s kid. In she's the not 80s. like any other kid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, so that's why they have such a good relationship. Also, she works with him. So she's with him all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... So they have this amazing relationship. So the part that gets into what's wrong with your parents is that here you finally have a film that shows this wonderful trusting relationship. And the dad's a crook. It tells you you can't trust your parents. I mean, that's what <laughs> the message is. And and I think that's that's alarming. That is the message that we were getting as kids. And so I think maybe that does feed into, you know, um, my opinion on how parenting has changed through, through the years has to do with the 80s at their core, yeah. which was before the 80s, parents were so focused on some big crisis, you know, whether it was a war or a depression or there was something going on in, in the ether, I guess, you know, that, that really took families focus away or if you had the 50s which was a less time of war but moms were at home and therefore at least more aware and it felt like at least i don't know if it was real or perceived but with the lack of 24 7 news 
we had the uh, perception that it was safer for kids to just go and play all day. So in the 80s... Everyone was trying to be doing something, kind of. Yeah, well, see, and then the late 60s happened, and everyone starts getting into drugs, and so Mm -hmm. really the 80s, everything starts changing. So the world is less safe, feels less safe. Parents, though, are, number one, holding on to the way they were raised, Mm -hmm. which is kids go out and do their own thing all day, and at the same time, moms were now working, so they're like, hey, you go do th- your thing all day. By the way, I'm completely checked out of your life. Like, <laughs> I'm not around, I'm not here, and kids were really resentful. And so that uh, sort of fuels this rebellion that you see and this um, distrust of parents or dislike of parents or feeling that parents were the enemy. So here we go. We have a film. It's a great dad. He's wonderful. Who's not on board with Mr. Court? And then um, turns out that he's, you know, stealing from old people. (laughs) Honestly, I don't feel like he was doing anything that bad. That's so fascinating you say that. Um, Ione Skye felt the same way, who's the actress who, you know, plays Diane Court. She really didn't think it was that bad. Yeah. But why do you think I think it's Well, it's I mean, I mean, obviously if there's like a will or something, like that per like that person's stuff's going to go to their family. But like if you're taking some money from it, you kind of like he made a point like I did as best I can to make these people have the best lives before they died. Like, I had to change their diapers. I've had to, like, deal with all this. Like, I built a whole thing just for them, and there's so many of them that we have to take care of and feed and give pills to and deal with. So, like, a little money's, like, not that bad from that. Well, I don't know if it was a little money. Like, I don't think it was worth... It's stealing. Uh, Yeah, it wasn't worth the amount of stuff he did... But, like, at the same time, they're dead, and it's not like they're using it. <laughs> well, no, like, but the point is they, they uh, you know, they have families. He's been funneling their money, but, you know, and so he's justifying it and that he's taking care of them. The fact is, is he has a, he has a home. They provide a service. He's paid for the service. He's not entitled to reach into their banks and take some and pocket it for himself, it's not justified. It's it, it's not good. I mean that you know, but it but it is interesting how he justifies it to himself, and interestingly to you. <laughs> um, and maybe and maybe that's why that's the crime. Maybe it does feel less bad because the idea is supposed to be, I think, that if he had family, if these people had family members who were more involved, he wouldn't be able to yeah. to do this. But exactly. they don't, and they've forgotten about their loved ones in their senior years, and he is being there making their twilight years wonderful. Yeah. But regardless, he's a crook. (laughs) It's illegal. He's stealing. Um, (laughs) But, but in this too was part of the 80s shift that I think that we still see and feel today. So we really had as a country stronger ethics (laughs) going back in time um, because the 80s became very materialistic and something started to change where it was, you know, it's sort of become that it wasn't enough to, in the 80s it was like, okay, you know, you want to have money. Having money started to mean that you were important, that you had power, that you had value in society. Um, and now I feel like there's even a, a shift that you kind of see happen here, but takes that that has evolved. So where it's not enough to have money, you almost have to take it at someone else's expense, uh, you know, manipulate their trust. So I, I think about that in context with our current president. 
um, that how Donald Trump has somehow successfully argued that his bankruptcies and not paying contractors and doing that is a way in which he is more intelligent because he figured out how to work the system. He figured out how to use the legal routes to step on the little guy, how he has become, you know, profitable at the expense of others because he let he found ways in the system to make it happen. So it wasn't enough that he was wealthy. It's because he's wealthy at your expense. And I think, you know, we see that evolve through time. That So it started in the 80s with, you know, and we saw this in the movie Wall Street, uh, and, and you see it in... Um, uh, uh, Wolf of Wall Street, you know, which happens a little bit after the Gordon Gecko moment, and you in, in penny stocks, and you know. So anyway, you can you can watch this in film and pyramid schemes and shorting stocks and the housing bubble, and so it's just has slowly evolved to this is sort of where we are, where people are like, okay, I could be this rich, but I could be even more rich if I stole from you, but I'm going to do it through a sneaky way. I'm going to scam you out of it. You know, you're mm-hmm. going to say yes. And and I think that's, we can kind of look at how this has happened to us as a country today, and we can look back to the 80s and go, it started there. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I think uh, plays into where we are as a country now that was almost novel for the 80s is the key master. Yeah, that was weird. No, I mean, where everybody has to hand him their keys and he has to make sure that they're sober. So there was a lot of drunk driving in the 80s. <laughs> there was not a lot of responsibility. They were starting to become aware. Um, Mad Mothers Against Drunk Driving is really who started to make this an issue about driving drunk. I mean, you could drive drunk and a cop would pull you over and they'd be like, hey, you shouldn't do that. And they'd let you go or they would make sure you got home and you wouldn't get a ticket. Um, But it wasn't really the concern. But that doesn't mean that there weren't teenagers dying from dry. I mean, there were some of my classmates um, died in a, in a drunken car crash, you know? Well, he, by the end of the night, he had given back everyone their keys except one. But so like, you're saying every single person was sober? Well, see, that's the exactly. 80s standard of sober. <laughs> Do I think that you're okay to drive? So that, I, I, But that's a huge difference. I mean, now, listen, Uber and Lyft have changed the game. Ride sharing, the inter- it's so fascinating to me because taxis were always available, but they were so expensive and such a hassle. You know, you had to call them, you had to wait, and Uber and Lyft have really changed everything so that your generation, I mean, your generation isn't even interested in driving yourselves anywhere. No, <laughs> but my but, friend tried to Uber Celeste. Uh-huh. She tried to Uber here from she, her house. She lives down a the block street. Away. <laughs> I was like, I, we will come pick you up. There's no need to spend five dollars on an Uber Celeste. Oh my gosh! I know, I know. Yeah, and you have a friend who Ubered to school every day, and she. I mean, you guys live half a mile from the. I mean, you guys live in walking distance. Yeah. from the school. Well. Like, I, I, if you didn't drive me, I'd probably call an Uber, too. I know. That's why I would drive you. <laughs> yeah, Even I know. though I did it. That's why I forced you to have a PT Cruiser, because I'm like, I'm not driving you to school. This is ridiculous. <laughs> so if you're going to drive, drive yourself. I can't, I can't deal with it anymore. And so now you have a PT Cruiser. <laughs> 2008. Yeah. Uh, but I, but I, I think that's the, the standard in driving drunk now. And, and I would say this is even a change in the last five years. So it used to be, are you sober enough to drive? And 
and there would be kind of an evaluation (laughs) and like, I think you're okay to drive. And, and the standard for being okay to drive slowly, the, the bar for that got higher. And now you guys just don't even risk it, which is great. That is a a true evolution of your generation. No, (laughs) that's not true at all. Really? Yeah. We're just better at it. I'm just kidding. Oh, God. Well, no one, I don't know anyone that's died from driving drunk. I know Olivia's gotten to three huge car accidents while Mm -hmm. she was not sober, but Mm -hmm. um, besides that, no one's, like, died or gotten, like, hurt from it. Like, she wasn't hurt at all. Like, she wasn't hospitalized or anything. well, let me ask you this. So there, we with the legalization of marijuana, it really feels like the tide is turning. We're in a very becoming a pro drug culture again, like it was in the '60s. Yeah, um, where people are doing drugs. Are they doing drugs instead of drinking, or are they just doing both? Are they doing it all? Is this less than zero time? Yeah, they're pretty much doing it all, but. Uh, it but it there people there is an alcohol person and there is a weed person, mm-hmm. like there is a stoner and there's a drinker. Mm-hmm. All right, and then what about the? And then there's all there's always the in between, but that person usually does one or the other more. You and know the, what I mean? And then what about like the they go to more parties more, so they end up drinking more. But they're, when they're hanging out with their friends, on like, you know, but you can also drink and while well, I don't know. Okay, what about people who do uh, Xanax? Uh, and they probably drink and smoke. Okay, and then what about the people who do Coke? They probably don't smoke, but they definitely drink. And then, Most Cokeheads do not like weed. And then, From what I have learned. <laughs> most Cokeheads don't like Every weed. Every Cokehead I've met is like, I don't like weed. Okay. and then it makes you slow. And then I know at the you went to two different high schools, but the the, the rich person's high school that you went to, uh, they were doing heroin too, right? Oh, I don't know. I never heard of anyone doing. Oh, anything really? Like that. Oh, the parental rumor is that they're doing heroin. Oh, there. oh, one yeah, one girl did. Yeah, <laughs> a couple girls did, but they weren't in my grade. They were a grade above me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was that regularly or just like a one-time thing? Oh, um, I don't know. I remember this one girl who I still follow, and she's I know she's just like totally crazy. Um, because of the heroin? Yeah. Or was before or just, I think she's just crazy, but um, she, I don't know, she was gone for like two days, and then her dad called one of her friends, and they found her in like this like crack den. And like Hawthorne oh with God. some dude. Yeah. And like, yeah, she, but, and then I think she got sent to rehab and then she got, and she was addicted to bars too, Xanax. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the things that go together are. Well, you definitely don't go from weed to heroin real quick. Like it's not zero to a hundred. It's definitely like, you definitely spread your variety out first. <laughs> okay. Well, that's what I didn't know. Cause Xanax and weed slow you down. Yeah. Right. I mean, Xanax just makes you fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why anyone does that. I think kids think it's it's kind of like a challenge to stay awake and do stuff, and it's pretty much like being drunk. Like, mm-hmm. they're just, like, all over the place, can, like, can't talk, really. Mm-hmm. Xanax, you don't remember anything, which is I know, so, what's why it's point? so scary about it. <sighs> I don't do it. <laughs> it's scary. I don't like blacking out. It's not I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, I came in on you and your friends, and you guys could, I couldn't wake you guys up, <laughs> and except for your sweet friend, who I don't want to 
say her name, but like you have one sweet friend who's like, you know, on her iPad and you guys are all like passed <laughs> out, cold, can't wake you up. And hey. then I was like, something's not right here. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the end. At of least that. I was in a safe area. That's true. In my room. That's true. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm Tara McNamara. And I'm Riley Roberts. Thanks for listening to 80s Movies, A Guide to What's Wrong with Your Parents. And apparently my drug issues. <laughs> I was going to say, what's wrong with your teenagers? Uh, you can follow us on social media at 80s Movie Guide. What, what do you mean it's your teenagers? I'm blaming you. Oh, I know. Mm-hmm. It's your fault. I don't like to see so much pain So much wasted And this moment keeps slipping away I get so tired Working so hard For our survival I look to So soon we'll burn Without a noise Without my pride I reach out from the inside In your eyes Solution. Mm-hmm.